Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you're listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go, let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right, I'm back. Yeah, I did not get a Monday episode out because why? I was in Charlotte. But uh, yeah, more on that coming up later. So thanks everybody for tuning in to Successfully Funded. If you guys realize, I think you do, if you've subscribed to this, that my podcast is talking to uh, successfully funded project creators while their campaigns are active. So, you know, the, the whole reason we do this is that we want this information to be as fresh as possible, you know, that you're hearing what somebody did a month ago or two months ago. And we also want to dive into the stories behind the projects, you know. Um, so we're not just going to be talking about tips and techniques to get funded. We're going to be talking about stories. And everybody wants a good story. So coming up on today's episode uh, might be one of my best stories, you know, maybe, you know, that I've ever done. I'm, I'm really giddy about this interview uh, so I got to interview uh, the Kickstarter campaign right now called Dual Bowls, and let's D-U-A-L and then Bowls, B-O-W-L-S. And uh, I got to talk to the project creator, Cawther, and she is from Baghdad. I'm sorry, Kuwait, excuse me, Kuwait, Kuwait City. I don't know why I said Baghdad. That was just in my brain for some reason. And she, this project is awesome. She is just under $100,000 with 24 days to go. And these are one-of-a-kind sand-cast pieces. And just an unbelievable story she has. Um, how Kickstarter reached out to her, how Kickstarter is working with her on this project. Um, uh, if, if anything comes out of this interview, if you cannot, if you're not oozing the, um, the, the entrepreneur spirit by the end of it, then you don't know what entrepreneur spirit is. So that episode, that interview is going to be coming up in a little bit later. So... So let's talk a little bit about what's been going on here. So, yeah, we've had some pretty interesting things. So last week we started our AMA podcast, right? So what was that? If you didn't hear last week's episode, what you can do is text me. I'm going to give you my number here. I know. I, might, I still might not do this again, but I'm going to try it again for week two. Uh, if you text me at 248-264-3464 with your podcast question, you know, or I'm sorry, or your question about crowdfunding is what I should say. I'll answer it. And guess what? We had a question come in last week. <laughs> awesome, huh? So um, last week, somebody mentioned, uh, asked me about how ad blockers fit into crowdfunding right now. And, you know, I haven't really thought about does the ad blockers that we all have on our browsers now and, and kind of that became public conversation maybe about six, seven months ago. How does that fit into crowdfunding? And so I did some research, started clicking around, asked some friends over the last five days or so, and I found something very interesting, something that I was honestly for myself a little unaware of. So if you know what ad blockers are, you can basically get them for, you know, your browser. So if you're on Chrome and you get, I think it's just called ad blocker, uh, it will stop from ads popping up. But also what it sometimes stops is the ability for the cookies to do retargeting on Facebook. So something we've been noticing a little bit um, through some of our campaigns and stuff is that we're getting really high um, uh, click-through rates on our Facebook ads for people above 50 you know, 65 and old, they're just the older crowd. But when we're looking at the numbers in the, you know, 20 to 40 range, you know, we're looking at, man, our click rates are just down, you know. And that's, that's typically in almost every project who we're going after. So then I, you know, was listening to a podcast, I can't remember what it was, but they were talking about um, how they did a, a study, you know, just a general study in a room of, you know, college people and they asked the room, if you have an ad blocker, I want you to raise your hand. And only one person didn't have their hand raised. So it's not even like nine out of 10. It's like 99% of people, you know, 21 to, you know, 25, 26 has ad blocker in. So you're not going to be, you might not be getting ads to those people because they're just not seeing them. I thought that was very intriguing. Um, and just how that, this kind of data starts to fit into the new equation. So 
Um, I think the AMA I'm doing is working well because the first question out of the gate was super, super. So I want to thank Greg uh, for sending that in. Uh, um, Greg, I don't know who you are, but uh, I appreciate you texting me and, and letting me know letting me know this question. And I think this is something that I'm going to be deep diving into more and more. Um, I, you know, I've only researched it for a little bit, but it, it might be something that is hindering Facebook ads, uh, ad blockers. So it's something I didn't think of. Um, so I'm diving into it. You might want to as well for your campaign. So great first question out of the gate. So, so I I talked earlier about being in Charlotte and I can't exactly explain all that's going on with that, but I was down there for the last three days. So I just, just got in late last night. Um, and, uh, I mean, I love that Southern charm. I, you know, I don't fly much, you know, I do here and there and stuff, but, Boy, yesterday, uh, my flight got delayed a little bit on the way back, and I, I had to fly from Charlotte into Chicago uh, and catch a, um, you know, um, what do you call it? I had to catch a, um, a connecting flight. And we had a delay, short delay, whatever it was in Charlotte, but it gave me around 17 minutes to get to my next gate once I got into Chicago. So I'm sure everybody here has probably flown into O'Hare Airport. It's large, right? So I, I was, uh, I'm standing there waiting for my bag to get off my flight because I'm, you know, I didn't even check up. I, it's just I flew all these small little express flights. So you have to put a, you know, I had a, I just had a roller, small carry on, but I had to put it in the bottom. So I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. I'm the last bag that comes out. And I literally yesterday had to, I, I had a light jog, mild sprint to cross two runways and go from corner to corner in terms of terminals. Like I got dropped off at A and I had to get to E, whatever it was, something like that. I haven't hustled like that in an airport in a while. So so, uh, luckily though, when I got there, they delayed boarding for just like three extra minutes or whatever. But but it allowed me to at least get there because I literally rolled up (laughs) and walked right on in a nutshell. So it was a little stressful. you know, I definitely wanted to catch that flight because otherwise I was going to be sleeping in Chicago and I didn't want that last night. So I had to get this podcast out, man. I had to get this out for you, the listeners. So that was exciting. But man, I also love that. Um, you know, it's amazing again. And I also don't travel much to the South, but, um, you know, just hanging out there with that Southern charm, you know, uh, everybody was really nice. Um, so I ended up, I got, I was staying at a bed and breakfast. So the other kind of interesting thing too is, um, I, I come back, uh, Tuesday night from, uh, from work and having dinner and all that stuff and had a couple of beers. So I feel a little tipsy and, uh, I get there and this guy's got this beautiful Mustang that he like, he said, he's like, I actually left my lights on, man. I need help. You know? So I end up pushing this guy back and forth and then down this hill driveway so that he could like pop it basically pop the clutch and you know he did and and got the car started but uh he was so grateful and just like you know what can i do for you i was like dude i helped you out for like six minutes man it's all fine so definitely is an interesting or there's definitely such a different vibe from that the midwest and um and the south uh not not bad or good you know no 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 judgment on anything it's just just different just a different feeling and i I really got into it. I don't know. I enjoyed myself uh, uh, the last couple of days down there, and um, appreciative to the people who brought me down and stuff. So, oh, I just I just popped my mic. Did you guys hear that? I just punched my mic stand. But man, over the last three days, though, with all the flying, uh, I've listened to a lot of podcast episodes. Uh, but yeah, so again, uh, if you're interested, so send me. Uh, if you got questions, like I said, uh, this is my ask me anything. Shoot me over a text two four eight two six four three four six four. You want that again? 248-264-3464. Did I say that right? Or is it backwards? Is it the other way? I have to think. I don't. This is a newer number. 248-264-3464. Yeah, I got it. Shoot me, shoot me your questions about crowdfunding your social media. Also, if you're interested in pre-ordering um, my, our new book, uh, You Are Your Own Brand, right? Great book. It's $7. We're taking pre-orders right now. If you're interested in a copy of that, we're only going to have them on pre-order for another couple of days. I think maybe end of next week, I think, is when we're going to end it. Uh, you shoot me an email, jeff at woodshed.agency, and I will get you signed up, and you can get one of our pre-orders because we should be getting those in uh, sometime middle of the month, uh, and then we're going to start shipping those out, and then the price is obviously going to go up to our, our retail price. But, man, the book's awesome. Let me grab a book, and I'm going to read a couple things from it. Hold on a second. 
Boom. Let's read a couple things here. Let's go to number 23 in our 32 principles for online success. Make sure your Facebook posts and blog posts and your face-to-face interaction with friends and family, as well as give people stories they'll be able to tell when they're uh, your supporter. So, you know, we want to make sure that you're, you know, you're doing well with Facebook posts. And we want to make sure that, you know, you have a story behind those things, right? Not just, not just broadcasting. Let's go 24. The supporters who want a connection with you or your purpose want certain stories too. It just takes a different kind of interaction to give them what they want, which is to believe you are someone worth supporting, that you're inspired and committed, or that the world needs what you're trying to do. They want to believe others are going to say these things later, and it will reflect well on them by their association with you. For them to believe this, you need to do the prior things that build connections. This brings them into your world. It's more work than just resharing articles and inspirational quotes and telling behind-the-scenes stories about your projects. But you need these kind of insiders to succeed. Why? 25. Let's go to 25. Because these insiders, the ones who feel a connection to you and understand your purpose, are always the ones who do the most to help you succeed. They're the ones who share your project on Metafilter or Product Hunt where you're not a member or a secret Facebook group or a subreddit where they have to establish a presence. They are the ones who back your crowdfunding project on the first day, giving it the early momentum it needs and who tell a podcast host they need to have you on the show. They are your friends and family who speak about you and your work with enthusiasm and pride. Your insiders, the ones who feel they know you, do the most for you. How about that? Pretty good, huh? There's a lot more of that. That's just a couple of them. There's 32 of those types of principles. So, um, yeah, like I said, if you're interested in picking up our, our new book for pre-order, uh, just shoot me a uh, shoot me over an email, jeff at woodshed.agency. But, all right, I think that's enough of me rambling. Um, I hope you guys have had a great week. And, um, yeah, let's kick into my conversation with Cawther from Dual Bulls. All right. See the see the uh, the record light there. Is it is it blinking for you? Yeah, it is. All right. Well, let's do a quick sound check. So, uh, what'd you have for breakfast this morning? Uh, a muffin <laughs> from Starbucks. Okay, from Starbucks. <laughs> About as yeah. typical as it gets. Yeah. Right. What, what, what what kind of muffin was it? It was a toffee nut muffin. It wasn't very good. It was just what was available. <laughs> <laughs> Just the muffin, no coffee, no orange juice, nothing like no, that? No, I had a cold brew because I asked them for iced coffee. And then you know how they try to convince you to buy the most expensive iced coffee? Sure. So, yeah, I got the cold brew. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and how do you feel like breakfast fits into your daily routine? Is it something that you focus on or is it no, something it that just No, it doesn't fit in at all. It's just basically whether I get the chance or not. Like I usually wake up and then someone's already calling me and I'm like... Uh, can I eat, please? Can I take care of myself? Yeah. All right. What about you? Cool. Uh, well, I try. I haven't got to my breakfast yet, um, but it's still a little early for me. But, uh, you know, I try. Wait, it's Just... 4 p.m. where you are, no? You're in Baghdad? No, it's 9 a.m. I'm in Detroit, Michigan. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's early. It's early for me. You okay, know, I don't so. know where that confusion came in. I thought you were in Baghdad. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, well, it's probably the time zones. However, it yeah, flips yeah. It for you with my calendar app. But no, I'm 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 in Detroit, Motor nice. City. Very exotic. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, very exotic. <laughs> yes. So cool. Yeah. Well, all right. I think we sound good. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into it. You ready? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, Cawther, uh, thanks for joining me today. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about what your, uh, pr- what your project is and why you're on, uh, why you're on Kickstarter right now? Uh, yeah, so it's called uh, Dual Bowls. It's uh, basically a bowl that uh, uses an experimental technique of uh, meshing dissimilar metals. Uh, I'm on Kickstarter because they approached me in October. They have a new program to recruit people that they think would support their uh, ethos and mission. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's an article about it uh, on uh, Fast Company um, because, you know, they've been promoting this idea that they're not just a marketplace for a very long Mm -hmm. time, but now they're uh, approaching that in a more active way. Uh, And I think that that's the right uh, strategy for them because I wouldn't have put my project on there if they hadn't approached me. 
Interesting, interesting. So, where was the like? What stage was your project in um, before them reaching out to you? Uh, it was basically um, one of my degree projects. It, it was actually so for Royal College of Art. So it was finished at that point. But the thing is with these uh, with these bowls is that it's uh, always a work in progress because they're all so different. So even though they were finished, I've been working on it for uh, since October. Repeated like since they approached me again, because to uh, update the way that they finish the bowls and to work on the finishing, the powder coating option, which was, uh, it took about two months to get them to make custom matte powder coating in Kuwait. Whereas uh, when I was doing it, I was in London uh, when I was producing them the first time. So matte powder coating was uh, readily available. Um, hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I think before we dive way more into this conversation, maybe let's explain a little bit more what the, maybe the bulls look like, kind of the uses for them, so that my listeners, I mean, we're, we're on a podcast, so they can't yeah. visually see them right now. It's like, like, like how, how would you, you know, if we were having a beer, how would you describe your, uh, you know, what the bulls are and what, what they look like? Um, so they, they look like the uh, kind of prehistoric because uh, a lot of the time I, I, the, they're uh, very rough. Uh, and they are a mesh of uh, two different colored metals, uh, so brass, uh, copper, and uh, zinc, which is gray. Um, and they they all look like they're uh, not very they're uh, handmade. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it's cool. And what like types of uses do you see? Are are they being used for? Um, mostly it's supposed to be a decorative piece. Uh, so it's supposed to be a statement about promoting this economy that really needs, uh, help because it's, uh, if, uh, pe- a lot of people don't know a lot about Kuwait, so I'll, I'll explain that a bit. Um, Kuwait, uh, used to be a trade route and it was very invested in, uh, handcrafts, but because of an influx of oil, the, there has been a lot less diversity in, uh, what, pursuits uh, we have and what's considered valuable. So these are really statements about uh, trying to promote a craft industry and revive it uh, in a new modern way. So I'd say that their use is mostly uh, uh, story-based. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Though. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they caught my eye. I was like, man, this is interesting. I, I want to find out more about this. So yeah. they're definitely doing what, what you're describing. I was just wondering if there's like a, uh, you know, if they're more of a tool, if they're, you know, something that you bring out around holidays I mean, or, or just kind of how so you're heavy. visiting them. They're they're so heavy you could actually like hurt someone with them, but <laughs> that's not the intended right. use. Uh, yeah, um, so, I mean, yeah, they're decorative oh, mostly. Yeah, they're decorative. So, so I, I think my listeners you just told us you're in Kuwait right now. Is that where you are right now while we're doing this? Yeah, I am in Kuwait right now. Okay, what is the entrepreneur spirit like there then right now? I mean, I've never talked to anybody from Kuwait, so this is you know this is my first time you know kind of yeah. diving into. But what what is the entrepreneur spirit like there right now? Is, is it supportive? Is it you know what what is it like? So I think it's a very young uh, entrepreneurial uh, environment. So uh, there's a big uh, generational gap between my parents and uh, people around my age that are in their mid twenties to thirties. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uh, desire to to branch out and to uh, a lot of startups, but at the same time, it's very, very new. So people will uh, usually try to uh, have their full-time job and then do something creative on the side because they still don't have any um, any incentive to do it as a full-time job, and they don't think that it's going to necessarily be financially uh, lucrative for them, uh, mm-hmm. which is understandable. Uh, through this project, uh, I realized that most of my... I mean, I, I realized this beforehand, but... Uh, a lot of the support that I've been getting is international. It's not local, uh, which is why I think that we, even though there's a lot of uh, people that want to to be entrepreneurs, they want to start their own businesses, they don't necessarily feel that it's uh, uh, feasible for them. Right, right, right. So where did this idea then come from? Um, you know, wh- where's the cocktail napkin sketch of this? You know, uh, like, hey, I got an idea. I'm going to make a ball. So the funny thing is it's literally a dream. It was actually just a dream. Okay, really? Yeah, which is very cheesy, but uh, I was working on another uh, small project. It was my first one where I was studying sand casting in the Royal College of Art. And then in Kuwait, when I'd come back for uh, for holidays, I'd have like a month uh, holiday, and I'd spend that learning about the difference between the casting in Europe and Kuwait. Um, so during that process, I was, what yeah. Sand casting? What, what's sand casting? Just before, like I've never oh, heard right. of sand casting. 
Uh, sand casting is basically how they make a lot of uh, metal products, uh, uh, and they they make a mold out of sand that has uh, two sides, uh, and using a positive form. Uh, so, for example, if you wanted to make a ball, you'd need a plastic ball or a, a, a form out of a different metal, uh, sorry, a different material, and then you'd uh, you'd embed it in the sand and mm. uh, make a hole. A, a cavity and then pour metal into that cavity and yeah interesting all right never heard of that yeah. sorry continue sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but i was like i don't know <laughs> no no sandcasting is <laughs> no that's i mean the, i i studied the reason i studied sandcasting because i discovered that it existed in kuwait whereas before that it's it's not very accessible and uh, i'm actually teaching a class uh and uh, during ramadan to make it more accessible to show people how easy it is because wow, yeah, i never heard of it yeah, when I started uh, when I started learning at the Royal College of Art, the first thing I did was to do a very rudimentary uh, process of it, which is just basically making uh, cavities in a pit of sand and then pouring metal into it. Huh. Yeah, it's very approachable, but um, yeah, I'm hoping to bring more education on that. Sure, that's awesome. So back to the dream. Back to the dream. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, where, where did I, uh, uh, you were talking about the dream of how you kind of started, to, yeah, how did you start to put this together? Yeah. So basically I was setting that first project, which was about these, uh, small Kuwaiti stories. And then at that point I was so uh, under pressure that I kept dreaming about casting while I was sleeping, <laughs> where, <laughs> where this idea came from. Yeah. And, um, I mean, the reason I think that I, uh, it's become my favorite project is because it was so such an organic process and I really try to not make it about me. I'm more of a facilitator for the craftsman rather than it being about, uh, my own work or, uh, my own handcraft. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about your parents. What did your parents do then as you, you know, growing up, like when you were growing up, what, what did they do? Uh, my parents, my family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, family my, my mom is a teacher of uh, philosophy, so she studied um, medical ethics uh, in Kuwait and in uh, Oxford. And then uh, my dad uh, teach, used to teach, he's retired, uh, oper- mm-hmm. Operation Research and Science Management, I oh, believe. Wow. <laughs> so they're based, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it's a very long title. I only remember right. it because I had to write it several times uh, when I was applying places. Anyway, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, they're both educators, and uh, my mom uh, has always pushed us to value our education, um, right. which is why our family is uh, very entrepreneurial. My sister's in uh, Harvard. My brother just started uh, coding school, uh, which I'm very excited for him to do. He, it's called Coded, uh, actually. Uh, that's cool. that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, on the Kickstarter page, there's a couple guys on there. Is it Pintu and Hanifi? How do, how do you pronounce his name? Uh, I'm Hanif. not, oh, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah Bento yeah. and uh, Hanif. <laughs> yeah, so, so like, like, like who, who are those two guys in terms of the project? Uh, so there are a couple of the casters that were uh, in the sand casting uh, foundry while we're photographing. Unfortunately, um, they weren't all there, so uh, those were the, my favorite photos because uh, ben- Bento, I just feel like he has this natural charm where yeah. I... Yeah, can you uh, with that uh, Chai Lipton ad? Basically, <laughs> it's <Yeah>. amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, I, I, who are these guys? It was, yeah. you, know, I, I, you know, it's like it's weird how some people have that. Like, uh, I, I want to know a little more. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly, I, you know, exactly. And then really some other why. people, you just uh, look at them and you're like, I'm terrified. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but basically, Bento, uh, he, I actually thought his name was Vimto, which is like a very popular Ramadan drink. And then I like asked him because I kept hearing uh, hearing it as Vimto and it turned out it's Bento, but it's his nickname as well. But anyway, uh, so <laughs> so um, he, uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, I was asked to participate in uh, Naqat Creative Conference, which is a conference that they have every year in Kuwait uh, to promote the creative industry. Uh, and I asked him and Mahar, the owner of the foundry, to come and uh, demonstrate sand casting. So I feel like we really bonded during those three days where he's, uh, he's just such a, a good spirit um, and really cares. So, um, yeah, it's, you can see that through the pictures, I think. <laughs> yeah, you really can. So, yeah. you know, so for you in this process, um, you know, 
is this like a company of yours? How do you describe this? I mean, outside of the project, but like, is, is it a company you're running? Is this something yeah. you're working on for the next few years? How do you fit in the whole equation? I'm hoping to make this my life pursuit. <laughs> uh, the The name of the brand that I, I've been working on for maybe three to four years, I started in my undergraduate, is called Safar, which is uh, the my family name. It, uh, it means uh, coppersmith. So hmm. I, I'm really hoping to use this as a platform to not uh, focus on my own uh, skills and talents, but to facilitate for other people, whether that's uh, craftsmanship or uh, just gen- creativity in different forms. So uh, one of the things we did was uh, on the 20th, we had, a, um, we had an exhibition where I uh, showcased uh, the artists work who were working with me and we, we showed some cool stuff, which I, I can tell you more about if you're interested. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. What, I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued as, the, as to where this project's going. Yeah, so one of the projects that we exhibited, so it goes between, uh, I think, fine art and design, where I'm trying to launch it as a, a, an international brand, uh, somewhere between Netta Dibs and Tom Dixon. But at the same time, I'm trying to promote a more artistic and, uh, and uh, yeah, a more collective approach where I'm promoting the people that are making the work rather than promoting myself. So right, one right. of the... One of the things we had in the exhibition, which I was really excited about, was uh, a small installation that was called uh, Labor and Class, where uh, we made furniture based on uh, Sug Safar, which is the place where my family trade used to happen. And it was a recording uh, of the craftsmen there uh, having a meal and discussing their work. And then it was contrasted with these very luxurious pieces of furniture that were made out of uh, mahogany. Uh, and these flowers that are considered in uh, Puerto Rico to be labor flowers and uh, equate their luxury flowers. So I wanted to show that contradiction of these craftsmen producing things they can't afford. And uh, it was done with uh, another artist called Emin Fari, which he contributed so many great ideas. And I really loved that process of just being able to collaborate across uh, different dimensions. That's really great. That's really great. Yeah. So also, also, I noticed that you have a stretch goal for a book. So what's the idea around the book? Um, so I felt like that was important uh, first because people were asking for that book a lot and not finding it accessible because they wanted to buy something else, but also mm-hmm. because it's very much about storytelling and ethos and uh, you're not getting that extra layer of information uh, from Kickstarter. So th- uh, right. the first chapter of the book is uh, biographies on uh, every person that was uh, involved in the process, even to the smallest degree. Um, and then the second chapter is uh, an more in-depth information about about, uh, the process of making the product. And the last one is um, describing the product and the end result. So it's called, per- that's why it's called Personal Local Universal. Um, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I saw the book being a, a really great uh, bonus add on. I don't know what, what you want to call it, of just diving yeah. into the story even deeper. I think it's just a yeah. great, great stretch goal, great way to let somebody dive deeper in. You know, they have a choice yeah. how far they want to go into the I'm story. I'm glad you That's think awesome. so. Thank you. Yeah, it's really great. It's really great. So, yeah. I mean, you've been working on this project now for a few years here. It's obviously, it's, it's it sounds like it's consuming your life. Um, uh, it if is. it's in your dream state, you, you know? Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but what has been maybe the biggest pivot or roadblock that you've, in, you've endured over the last couple of years working on it? You know, was there anything that just, man, we just couldn't do something we wanted to do? Uh, I mean, it's kind of a constant uh, series of roadblocks <laughs> from uh, the latest one was uh, the exhibition that I did in uh, in my uh, granduncle's carpentry. It was basically built in 1957. Uh, after that exhibition, people had posted it everywhere because the place is beautiful. It's the oldest carpentry mm-hmm. in Kuwait. Uh, and then uh, first thing in the morning, uh, first day of the week, uh, every government official possible comes by to check out the place and to, to suggest that we'd done something uh, wrong by having an exhibition there. Um, so that wow. in itself is, yeah, it's a huge roadblock because uh, what I really want to do with the space is turn it into a creative hub where we could uh, have classes um, and to have to legislate every single part of that process doesn't help me be able to progress the space. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, they're basically what is, sorry. Yeah, just one thing. They're trying to turn. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Well, what, no, I say what, what's the, the like, What's the government role or so? Is it? It sounds like it's not supportive, but but does it play a factor? Are there programs? I mean, how does government play into what you're working on? 
I mean, uh, I've only been back full time since October, so so far I haven't seen any support from the government, uh, <laughs> because the the way that they try to support is by um, building bigger institutions and uh, funneling a lot of money into them, but uh, the, but they don't necessarily have the background experience to turn those into successful ventures, so um, they have a. Uh, one uh, fabrication place um, that's targeted towards teaching people about fabrication, but at the same time, they didn't invest in uh, the mentorship and the mastery that's required to to teach younger a, a younger audience. So I was trying to get something CNC'd there, um, and mm-hmm. they don't have three dimensional CNCing in Kuwait. It's mm. very hard to get access to. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. Interesting. Well, well, my follow-up to the kind of the roadblock is: what is there a moment that all this stuff started to really gel and come together, where you just knew that you had to keep pursuing it? I don't know the first bowl, or you know, I, that, you know, where all the pieces started to fall fall into place. Yeah, I mean, uh, really, it was Kickstarter for me. As soon as I hit that forty thousand, I'm like, this is worth doing because I was. Uh, in my head, I, I told myself, if Kickstarter doesn't work out, I've invested so much time and energy into this already. That means that I don't have an avenue to sell my work and that I can't turn it into a successful business. So uh, reaching that goal in uh, three days showed that I, I could get that support, even if I'm not getting it for locally. Yeah. Well, let, let's pivot over a little bit to the Kickstarter. So you were approached by them um, you know, a, a, to put your project down here, but... Did you have any thoughts in your mind of even going to Kickstarter or, or you know, before they reached out, what was the mindset like? What, what were you planning to do? Uh, I, basically, when you graduate from the Royal College of Art, you're building up towards this uh, degree show at the end of the year. And that's really your catapult uh, to, to grow your business and your career. So I was waiting for that kind of uh, recognition and opportunity. And where I was getting uh, other opportunities, this was really the biggest one. Um, yeah. And I had no intention of putting my project on Kickstarter otherwise, because I, I did really see it as a space for tech projects, especially since mm-hmm. it's a luxury item. Uh, I didn't right. really know if that was the right avenue for me. I would have been pursuing uh, galleries more and spending a lot of money trying to raise the uh, interest in order to produce in bulk, which is not bulk, but like a thousand. It's not really Sure, bulk. sure. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Yep. Yeah. So... So when when all right, so you you know you realize that Kickstarter is you know going to be this opportunity, what starts happening for you from that point on? Do you is there a marketing plan that you put together? How do you start getting the word out so that you fund in three days? Um, actually, a lot of that happened through Kickstarter, which uh, even though I I went uh, all out on uh, promotion in Kuwait, it didn't really get through because people don't understand online platforms. Um, so, uh, I basically, since October, when I came back, I, uh, spent every, <laughs> every day looking for, for shipping, for, uh, fabrication, uh, places, refining the process. And, uh, the simplest thing could turn into something that took, uh, a month or more. So for example, the packaging, uh, the foam yeah, lining. I was just thinking about that. I was just thinking, oh, packaging and shipping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Packaging yeah. and shipping. So, um, with the, with the foam that goes inside the box, um, I, um, went to, uh, maybe six different places and, uh, it was the hardest thing for them to cut a perfect circle <laughs> for, for, <laughs> for, a, for a sample. Um, and I was really insistent on making it in Kuwait. So it, whereas I could import it from China, uh, and it might be cheaper for me, it was very important for me to get that figured out. So, and even with the powder coating taking two months, uh, I was working on that nonstop. What, what so what does the I mean your goal is forty thousand uh forty thousand US I, I I think what I don't know what it is for forty thousand right pounds uh, yeah yeah forty thousand pounds what um uh what does that money allow you to do what what starts happening because of that that uh, infusion of cash um it allows me to it's not actually as much as much as I need I need uh, to meet a thousand orders but some of them are multiple orders uh, but at that point I can self fund the rest of it because it's at least enough of an investment uh, I have enough of a cash injection that I can um, use the profit to make more and then approach distributors with uh, with quantity um, so basically, it allows me not to rely on my family for funding. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. 
what does distributors mean in, in terms of a product like this? Is it, I mean, uh, is it, wh- where does this go, I guess? You know, if, uh, if, because it's a generative art piece. How, how does distribution fit in your model? Um, I've been uh, asked by uh, different retailers if they can become um, di- they can become the sole retailers for different uh, areas. So as far as yeah, as far as Australia, so I I would sell it as a, a standard product. You you ask for how many you want and different how many ever types you want, and then uh, yeah, you you buy it at wholesale. And then sell it at retail. Now, maybe this is uh, not PC or anything to say. I'm not 100% sure. But is there <laughs> like a, a, a play in, in your type of, you know, in terms of making a product like this where you can like do a, like a knockoff Chinese style version of it at some point so that it's in all the Walmarts or Targets of the world? You know what I mean? Like, is that, do that myself? That well, yeah, like, like for you to like, you know, where, you know, yes, you can make the hand you know, the handcrafted ones that are, I don't know, whatever, a thousand dollars, but at some point for you to have really mass distribution and be in, you know, so that my mom buys one, right? My mom who's like, Oh, I got one of these great things, you know, these great bowls. Like, is that something that you think about or is that just completely like, no, that's not cool at all. Like, like um, I, I don't know. I think I would it. definitely be undermining uh, my work because uh, right, right. The, whole, the kind of things that they make are basically uh, models out of a piece, uh, parts out of aluminium, and then they spray paint them uh, gold or whatever color. Right, or, right, right. Yeah, and they've been trying to convince me since day one. Every time I ask them to do something that's expensive and and tell them that like this is a bit uh, difficult for me to fund this. They, they're like, why don't you make it out of aluminum and spray paint it? And just, <laughs> right, right, right. I, I yeah. can't. <laughs> My soul is dying a bit. Yeah, it, it's, like, um, it's like the, uh, what is it? The It's like the Ikea version of this. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah they're, you know, it's $19 and they're, you know, you can get them throughout the world and everybody has one. But I, I, I agree. I, I hope you don't go that route because when yeah. I look at this, I see all of these pieces being one-of-a-kind statement pieces. Like, when yeah, I look exactly. at them, like, this is awesome. I just, I just wonder as like an entrepreneur if... You know, if that's in the back of, of like yeah, your head absolutely. when you're designing something, you know what I mean? Just like, oh yeah, I can totally cheap out this at some point you know, or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> I, I do have uh, uh, ideas for how to make uh, products that are not uh, less uh, of quality, but less, but less expensive. So like the, I, I made a set called also another set of bowls called Safar Bowls and they have this like uh, really beautiful engraving on them that, um, a uh, designer at RCA uh, worked on, which is based on the golden ratio. But because of that engraving, it's so expensive. Uh, right, so I, right. I I could make a version where there's no engraving, basically mm. um, things like that. So not that's why I have uh, a much uh, a really small piece. So it's not that it's uh, less expensive; it's just uh, more affordable. Just- Right, just yeah. more for just a different, interesting, interesting. So, yeah. well, let me flip a little bit back over to the Kickstarter after I, I got on my own tangent there for a second. Um, what do you, what did Kickstarter do you think did to get this message out um, in terms of marketing? Was was you know, uh, you know, how did you get to my radar? Basically, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm intrigued as to how you fell into my lap, where I'm like, oh, let me check this out. You know, <laughs> how did I uh, get on your radar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I'm actually so, asking. I'm wondering because. Uh, oh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I was searching Kickstarter. I was just kind of looking around for new projects, and because yeah. again, I do a podcast. I try to do two of these a week, so I'm always just like, well, let me, you know, let me go find something cool that I would, yeah. you know. And I try to get away from. There's always board games, so I'm always trying to find something yeah. where I am digging. Like, I don't exactly know the story, but let me, you know, I want to investigate too. So that's, you know, so you're just on Kickstarter's page for me, but I'm just wondering, uh, you know, you have. What, how many backers do you have? You have over almost four hundred. You have over four hundred fifty backers of this project. So that's yeah. that's a lot of backers. So I'm just I'm intrigued as to if like you know Kickstarter was like, hey, we're gonna do this or this or this to get your story out. Yeah, I mean they they helped me so much. Um, they put me on their uh, uh, front page. They sent out a newsletter, and then uh, I'm in uh, the projects we love. Um, so it's very searchable and uh, yeah. easy to find, which yeah, you know, that's yeah, incredible. You pop up. That's yeah. great. Yeah. This is really great. So, so what are you planning on? I mean, what do you have in store for the, like the next, I mean, you have 30 days to go here. This is a, this is a campaign that could really, really go. Yeah. What do you do for the next 30 days? What, what's in your mind? 
Um, I'm uh, approaching uh, more blogs to get the word out more, uh, but I'm also uh, I have a, a little idea for a limited edition piece that I'm excited about, uh, mm-hmm. which I'm hoping everybody will like as much as I do. It's very simple, um, and I'm I just asked the fabricator like a couple of days ago. So as soon as it's uh, done, I'll photograph it and put it up, and hopefully people will like it because uh, I. I've been focused on these bowls so much. I'm like, I want to do something a little different. Um, Yeah, that was my idea. And then um, I really want to have, uh, I put some live streams up uh, so that I can show people more of the environment that I'm in and get them to talk to the other creatives that are on the team. So I'm hoping to do that uh, more. Yeah. Are you doing um, like a Kickstarter live or a Facebook live or something like that? No, it's, yeah, it's Kickstarter live. So uh, cool. I'm just pinning out down dates and seeing who's available uh, to get that on there. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I would, I would, that, that would be good. That's a great idea in terms of being able to yeah. watch maybe the process or, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. That would be awesome. Yeah, exactly. Except it's on a computer. So I don't know how feasible it is to take a computer to the, the casting foundry. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Okay, well, Hey, I see. You, you, you try it out. You never know, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm excited to do that. Um, yeah. So what does scale look like for you and your company right now? In, in, in your mind, where do you see this scaling up to? Um, I mean, uh, in uh, optimistic terms, I'd really like to be on the level of... Uh, have you heard of Nutta Dibs? I have not, no. Okay, most people have not, so I should say who yeah. that is. Uh, she's a, a Lebanese uh, product designer who uh, went to my undergraduate, and she's uh, really uh, famous for uh, focusing on the craftsmen and for promoting the craftsmanship in uh, Lebanon. So she has a team of 10 people. I feel like in 10 years, that's where I'd like to be. I'd, I'd like to have a creative team, not necessarily a full-time one, but uh, right. people that have input in this business and uh, to really promote the the um, the collaborations that I've done and take them forward and uh, bring benefit to the people that have helped me so much. Uh, I mean, the graphic designer, the the printmaker who did that illustration, their work is incredible, and I really hope that people can see it more. Um, yeah. yeah, that's great. So yeah, so so how about for you? You know, so that's maybe for you as the, the yeah. business side. But how about you personally? Where do you personally see yourself being in the next five, maybe five to ten years? <laughs> maybe being able to take a vacation every once in a while and not working uh, like fifteen hours a day. <laughs> what's, what's a vacation? I, I don't yeah, know. Vacations exactly. exist anymore. I've yeah, never like basically ba- plan my holidays ab- around working. So <laughs> right, right, I went right. to Italy recently, but it was for Milan Design Week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually think that it's optimistic to say that in Kuwait because I have to oversee everything, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, are, are, do you envision, I mean, how big, well, do you have anybody on your team that's full-time or part-time or something like that that's, that, that's working uh, with you on this? No, that's the thing. It's a very a collective spirit. So uh, these people have chip, uh, have uh, worked on this project to support me and uh because they really believe in what I'm doing, but as a full-time thing, everybody has their own thing going on. That's yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So you so, mentioned that you know you were in London and stuff. How much is travel a part of what you're working on right now in terms of getting your message out and, and showing off the product? Uh, I think it is very important. I uh, after being here since October, I feel very uh, far away from everything because in London I'm very uh, close to things. I'm uh, it's accessible, and if I think of something, I can I have access to people to talk to. Uh, but mm-hmm. here, I, it is really important for me not to be stuck in Kuwait and to remember what the bigger picture is. Right, yeah. right, right, right. The, the big picture. Yeah. That's what we're all doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 really awesome. So. Where are you seeing, I mean, you mentioned, I think it's a little bit earlier, that you're not seeing much backer support locally, um, which yeah. I'm not even sure if Kickstarter has a Kuwait. I, I, I've, just, I've never seen a project from Kuwait, frankly. I don't, I don't think there's very many of them. So, yeah, you, no. I, uh, so where are you seeing, if you can see in your dashboard, where are you seeing the most support coming from? Is it London, United States, Australia? US. Really, the U.S. Interesting. Yeah, I from the U.S. Uh, and I mean that makes sense because Kickstarter is a very uh, it's a U.S. Um, a website. It's that's mm-hmm. where it all started. 
So it makes right. sense that people understand uh, how to use it and they're more supportive. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, considering that it's like uh, for Kuwait, it's zone five, <laughs> mm -hmm. the, the shipping's not cheap and people are still extremely excited. I mean, my um, the three 2,000-pound uh, pieces, those are all sold to the U.S. Wow. How, yeah. How, how are you getting those here? How am I? How, <laughs> yeah, with, with any sort of reasonable... I, I negotiated like shipping uh, for yeah. for two months. Yeah, <laughs> to the point Holy they were, they yeah like it wouldn't have been manageable. About a week before I launched, the shipping rates that I had were not at all reasonable. They were much much higher. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I, I just shipped a I just shipped a hard drive to Australia, and I was like two hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, drive. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. What? But I've managed to get the shipping for a 20 kilogram piece to 145 pounds. <laughs> so wow. I'm quite, I'm quite lucky. Yeah. Especially yeah. since it's, it's difficult from Kuwait and it's, uh, the DHL shipping is, and all the shipping companies actually, they base it on how difficult it is to ship to a, uh, to a country rather than how far away it is. So, yeah. uh, Israel, which is closer, obviously. Uh, mm -hmm. more expensive shipping and they do ship to israel and i have a customer from israel which i think is incredible <laughs> that's awesome that's, yeah that's, wow yeah wow. that's yeah. really cool that's yeah it's really awesome i'm just yeah, yeah. that's um that's really great wow you've got a great story thank you i'm really glad we got to talk so um so you know so you've got some time to go here what it, i mean for you personally just mm. what does the emotion feel like with the fact that you know you've you've already you've already crushed your goal, you're looking at 30 more days to go. Just just what does that do for you and your team when you see just the data and the numbers of how people are reacting to this so quick, you know, so well? I think they're really they're really excited and they're like, could you just stop for a minute and appreciate that you've done really well? Right. And in my head, I'm like, I spent two months telling these people I was going to get them a thousand orders and that I was going to support their work. So I haven't relaxed yet. I haven't said I've right. achieved what I want to achieve, uh, even though, I mean, I'm, I'm very, very grateful. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's where I'm at. Unfortunately, I think that I, uh, when you start a business, you, it's really hard to switch off or, or uh, yeah, to take yeah, a moment it, to oh, breathe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, how do the parents feel about this? How does the parents and family feel about it? Oh, they're really happy. Yeah, my my dad has a hard time understanding what I'm doing. He's he just keeps right, asking right, me yeah. why why I don't get a job. And then after seeing this, he's just really really happy. And uh, the the uh, exhibition in the in the carpentry was uh, really emotional for them. Um, there was uh, a friend called Libna Saif who was there who grew up in that carpentry, so she hadn't seen it uh, look that that clean and uh mm. and maintained in uh, maybe like 20 years That's awesome. so yeah and to just to see even if people are not buying things just to see how excited and happy they are to see that place and how much they value it that was really really uh important for me and really <laughs> beautiful <laughs> yeah it's great great yeah. well Cawther, i appreciate you taking time out of your day i know you're busy you probably got comments to get to and updates to do <laughs> no. and you know all the maintaining of a kickstarter but i appreciate you taking time out of your day and uh and telling me and my listeners your story man it's got really great stuff really great stuff thank you so much thank you for the opportunity all right thanks have a good day okay you too bye what i tell you that was a powerful interview i'm i'm, I'm really glad we got to connect and, and, and chat so um, Cawther, I wish you well. If you guys are interested in checking out her bulls, go do that right now. Support a project. Support a project creator. Support entrepreneurship. Go check it out. You know, dual bulls. Google it on Kickstarter. So the song we listen to is a song called Take a Break. It's featuring Brandy Sweat on vocals. Um, and uh, this actually appeared a couple times in the Ray Stable story and the Sugar People. So, um, all right. I hope you guys, again, like I said, had a great week. And we'll be chatting next week with a few more episodes. Until then, um, Keep it real. Have a great weekend, guys. I'll take my time just since right. The sense of you in the air tonight. I'm gonna move in slow-mo. Take it so slow. I'll take my time just since right.
stress you are organizing, enterprising, whatever that you may do. If you feel this funky vibe, the pulse that's keeping you alive. Knowing the golden dress groove and your cares and I will seem to flow away. It's easy to get lost and find my way. It may be dark and black as night. If the party's hot, you'll be alright. Cause flames get light and you're still sizzling Oh darling, can't you see? You mean everything to me The sun, the moon, the sky Oh my, my Hold your cup of Toasting our chaos goodbye Feeling good, celebrating our new life Waiting to stretch out our arms and legs If you're feeling down Don't want your friends around Pick up from your rug Get you feeling well enough Move off that seat and on your feet To get down Oh yeah It's easy to get lost and find my Is hot, you'll be alright Cause flames give light And you're still sizzling Oh Oh, <laughs> 